This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Music is one of the universal languages, and I absolutely love music. What I remember back in the 60s is that a lot of the music fell into different camps. In other words, a lot of Black people listened to one genre of music, and many whites listened to a different genre of music. However, when the Beatles came on the scene, everybody was watching and listening to the Beatles. They were essentially crossover artists. And I can remember many days sitting down on Sunday evenings, watching the Ed Sullivan show on Sunday night when the Beatles would come on and they would be performing. And of course, people would be screaming and hollering and it was such an exciting time. So I want to talk a little bit about the Beatles and how they actually use their platform to advance good. Paul McCartney, one of the Beatles, he recalled hearing about the civil rights uprisings and concerns and issues in the United States in the 1960s. And of course, he's from England, as were all the Beatles. He was very touched by the plight of African-Americans and what was going on in the United States. And he particularly looked back a little bit and studied up on the Little Rock Nine. So I want to tell you a little bit about the Little Rock Nine, just to understand what it was that Paul McCartney was paying attention to. So back in 1954, there was a decision Brown versus the Board of Education that actually ruled and said racial segregation of schools was unconstitutional and therefore that the schools in the United States had to become integrated and certainly not remain segregated. So in 1957 in Little Rock, Arkansas, there were nine Black students who wanted to go to Central High School, which was an all-white school, and they were part of this group that was to integrate Central High. Now, at the time that all of this was going on, the governor of Arkansas, Orville Falbus, he refused to accept the federal ruling to desegregate the schools. And even though the Arkansas Little Rock School Board said they were willing to follow the law. The governor refused to do so. So when the nine students showed up for school in 1957, the governor had the Arkansas National Guard, about 250 people, and also the state troopers there to prevent the students from going into the schoolhouse. This went on for a while from the beginning of September until finally the students were able to enter the schoolhouse through a side door eventually 
And that's because the president of the United States, which was President Dwight Eisenhower, he said that he was going to make sure that the law was followed. So he sent the 101st Airborne Division over to Arkansas to make sure that those students were escorted into the school and into their classrooms and were able to safely have their education. Now, I say safely, although there were many difficulties. And in fact, the first day they got into the schoolhouse, there was a huge riot outside of the white protesters. And also, there were so many dangerous situations and scenarios with the students being called names and with different images being hung up in trees and the children were threatened with being lynched. All kinds of things went on and all kinds of indignities were done to them as they were integrating that school. Nevertheless, exercising leadership, President Eisenhower said that we were going to preserve the law and prevent interference with the law that had come out. And so he was not going to allow the mob to rule and to overrule what the courts had decided and what should be done. Paul McCartney of the Beatles, he read about all of that and he understood what was going on. And he could empathize on some level with the plight of Black Americans because he grew up in Liverpool, England, which was an industrial city, an industrial town. He grew up as a very poor person. And in many ways, he was also looked down upon in his younger years. When he was young and not famous, he learned to play some music by Johann Sebastian Bach And he thought if he sat outside and played his guitar and he played the sophisticated music, he'd be able to attract girls into his life and somehow he'd be an object of interest. As it turned out, that didn't work very well. No one was really paying attention to him playing the song Bure in E minor by Johann Sebastian Bach. So when he listens to what's going on in the United States. And he also noted that everyday people, such as the Little Rock Nine, can actually stand for something and have their lives be meaningful and make a difference. He wrote a song that was called Blackbird. And for years, people really didn't fully understand the history of the song Blackbird and didn't know what it really meant. But over in England, the word bird is often used to refer to a girl. So when he wrote Blackbird, he was thinking about a black girl. And some of the lyrics of the song, I'm going to just share those with you. The song says, Blackbird singing in the dead of night. Take these broken wings and learn to fly. All your life, you were only waiting for this moment to arise. Blackbird singing in the dead of night. Take these sunken eyes and learn to see. All your life, you were only waiting for this moment to be free. Blackbird fly, blackbird fly. 
into the light of the dark black night. And he wrote that song as his tribute to those brave people in the United States who were going through these difficult circumstances. And he used the empathy in his own life to be able to relate to someone else who might be disenfranchised or who might be suffering. Later, too, when the Beatles came to the United States, and they came many times to play their music, they were playing an engagement in Florida. And at the time, Florida was very segregated. And they found out that Blacks would not be allowed to attend the performance. So the Beatles took a stand and they said, we will not play if Black people are not allowed to come to the show. And so there was kind of a showdown and ultimately Blacks were allowed to attend the concert. And it was only under that condition that the Beatles actually played their music in that concert that day. So when I think about this and I think about the Beatles at that point were at the apex of their fame and the beginnings of their fortune, and they had a significant platform and they chose, and particularly, especially Paul McCartney, to use elements of that platform in the face of injustices and difficulties to take a stand and to make a statement. So I want us to just remember several things to take away from this. Number one, stand up for what is right, not just for the status quo. The Beatles did that, and so did the President of the United States, Dwight Eisenhower. Find a place of empathy in your own life where you can begin to relate to other people who may be going through a difficulty. And three, use your platform to advance good, whether you are a musician or a writer or the president of the country or the president of a company, use your platform to advance good. And then number four, give voice to the voiceless. Give voice to the silenced. Sometimes it's your music and your words that will say what they cannot say. As an executive business leader, you have many difficult decisions to make every single day. And it's important to think about how do you develop your people? How do you launch and develop high-performance teams? And how do you create a culture that wins every time? If you would like to take a look at your organization, and to talk about the wisdom and guidance that would propel you to create a best place to work and also competitive advantage, then I invite you to apply for a consultation to work with me. Go to my website, www.transleadership.com, go to the services page, and under organizational consultation, you will see a tab that says, contact us. That's where you request a consultation. So if you are an executive business leader in a medium to large size company, then I look forward to receiving your application and having a conversation with you. 
You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources. Thank you.